So can you give a hand up for Terrence Talley? Oh, come on. People taking off their shoes and socks. That's why I stank up in here. But that's okay. You got God written on those feet. That is good. Hey, how are we doing? Has, has anybody passed out yet because it's so hot? I, I, I think I might have. And then Jesus is like, no, you got work to do. Get back down there. Get back. That might have been my wife. She's like, you got bills to pay. Get back down there. All right. So before we get started today, um, just a little, you know what, actually, first, I've had a couple different people come up to me and be like, hey, is there any way that you could come to my school or you could come to my church? And so I wanted to encourage all of you that uh, back at my table, there are some pamphlets. These talk about how these pamphlets talk about how I, I can come to your school and working with your church or anything like that. We will make something work if I go wherever I'm invited. So if you're like, boom, we don't got no money, but we can make this work, I can make it work with you. And so feel free, go back there, get some information, and we will make that happen. All right. Now, next, we're going to do a little review. So Monday, what do we talk about? Monday, Monday, Monday. My, all right, wait, whoa, whoa, yeah, I'm sorry, I've got to go back. Wednesday, I'm in Wednesday, what are we talking You're like, I was at home. What, what are we talking about on Wednesday? Say what? Thir was it Thursday? No, it wasn't, it was Wednesday. We start. some of y'all might have came on Thursday, but we started on Wednesday. Shame, yes, talking about shame and how we are all... Good enough. We are all good enough. Okay. And then Thursday, what do we talk about on Thursday? You belong. You belong. You've got a place, and God has called you. You belong to him. You are his. And today, we're going to make this simple, okay? Today is all about don't give up. Don't give up. Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and let them know, don't give up. And don't bump their head, too. That would, that would be bad. Don't, don't knock them out. Don't give up. Second Chronicles 15.7 says this. But as for you, be strong. Do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Don't give up. All right, case in point. Here's the deal. Uh, growing up, like I told you guys earlier, I have two older brothers. Now, maybe some of you can relate to me. How many of you guys have older siblings? Older siblings? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so maybe, maybe you can share in my pain, girl. Here's the thing. My older brothers can do everything better than me, okay? My older brothers, matter of fact, when it came to, like, school and everything, they didn't even have to study. They would just come in on the day of the test, and they'd be like, oh, there's a test going on today? I had no idea. And they would sit down. They would take that test. Boom! They would get an A. Me, I would study for two weeks straight. And I'd be like, oh, man, I'm so excited to take this test today. And I would walk into my classroom like I was the Kool-Aid man. Push, let's do this. And I would sit down. I would take that test. And you know how people get their test papers back? And they're like, oh, look, I got an A. Oh, look, I got a B plus. I was the kid in the class that was like, sweet, I got a D. I passed. Right? At least I passed. I'm passing my classes. 
My brothers did everything better than me. My brothers, they could brush their hair better than I could. They could eat cereal better than I could. They did everything better than me. And one day, it all came to a crashing head, and I'll never forget it. I'm just sitting at the table, minding my own business, eating a bowl of, of cereal. Oh, no, okay, first of all, you all got to know, I was eating a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Sidebar, Frosted Flakes is the greatest cereal in the world. If, if you do not believe me, I will punch you in your throat. It is the greatest cereal ever. It even says so on the box. They're great. So I am sitting down, and I am eating a bowl of the Frosted Deliciousness. Is he honking at me? Hey. And then all of a sudden, I can feel my older brother staring at me. Now, you guys have, have to understand, uh, my older brother's name, his name is Bug. Now, I don't, I don't know why we call him Bug. I mean, shoot, that's just what we do when we're black. So, my older brother Bug, he is staring right at me. And I am sitting there, and I'm just like, hey, man, this is kind of creepy. I don't even know if Tony the Tiger would approve of this. And he goes, Terrence, I bet... I could beat you in a race. And I'm like, of course you could beat me in a race. You are five years older than me. Of course you could beat me in a race. And he goes, Terrence, I'm so confident I could beat you in a race. I'm willing to bet you $100. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, snap, $100? You know how many Nintendo games I could buy with $100? This is back in the day, y'all. So I'm like, I've got to at least try I've got to at least try to race my brother. And so as we are starting to go outside, we're making a little bit of a commotion. And of course, my mom is upstairs. And my mom, she's like the nicest mom in the world. And she wakes up, she comes downstairs, and she's just like, hey, 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 hey. I promise my mom is not on crack. Hey, what's going on down here? And I'm like, Mom, I'm going to race Bug, and I'm going to beat him for $100. And, you know, my mom, she loves me and everything. She goes, mm, you stupid. <laughs> you're cute, but you're stupid. And so we start to go outside. And now you also have to know that our house was on top of a hill. And at the bottom of that hill was the rest of the community. And so my brother, he was just like, all right, Terrence, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go down to the bottom of that hill, first person back up wins. And I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. So as we're going down to the bottom of the hill, I'm trying to do every single stretch I can do in order to make myself run a little bit faster. And then finally, we get down to the bottom of the hill. And my brother goes, on your marks. And the minute he said that, I was just like, boom, I'm in my position. I am ready to go. And he goes, get set. And I'm like, all right, Terrence, laser focus, laser focus, laser focus. And then he goes, now hold on. And I'm like, hold on? That don't mean go. What you mean hold on? And he goes, Terrence, I'm so confident I can beat you. I'm willing to give you a 10-second head start. And I'm like, oh, snap. Merry Christmas to me. Okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. And he goes, Terrence, are you ready? And I was just like, I was born ready. Arr. And he's like, all right, on your marks, get set. Go! And the minute he says go, I'm taking off. I'm running as fast as I can. My arms are flinging all over the place. Now, I am not paying attention to the time. And I don't know if 10 minutes or 10 seconds have passed by. But then all of a sudden, I can hear my brother's footsteps right behind me. And they're getting closer. 
and they're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. I just hit myself in the nose. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm starting to think to myself, I can't beat him. He's going to beat me. He's catching up to me. This was a waste of time. Why did I do this? And, of course, I'm running up a hill. I'm starting to run out of breath. I'm thinking I'm about to pass out and die. I don't know if you've ever seen a black man turn red, but it ain't a pretty sight. <laughs> and as I am running up this hill, I'm just thinking there's nothing I can do to make myself run faster. And so I just close my eyes, just hoping this would help me. But then all of a sudden, within the darkness of my mind, I heard, run, baby, run. And I was like, oh, snap, that's my mama calling me. I got to go. So I started picking up the pace, and I'm running just a little bit harder. And the next thing I knew, I can feel the embrace of my mom. And she goes, you did it, Terrence. You beat him. You did it. And I was just like, I beat him. I beat him. And I'll never forget, my brother came over to me. He threw a $100 bill in my face, and he goes, I'm still prettier than you, but I don't even care because on that day, I beat my brother, and I didn't beat my brother because I was faster than him. I didn't beat my brother because I was smarter than him. The only reason why I was able to win the race that day was because I didn't give up. Students, listen, every single one of you in this room, you are in a race, and that race is called life, and for some of you, you're thinking you're far behind. For some of you, you're thinking, that person is doing it way better than I can. They're, they're smarter than me. These people, some of them have been going to church way longer than me. I mess up all the time. How can I do this? But I'm here to tell you today, it does not matter how you have begun your race. It does not matter what other people are doing in their race called life. All that matters is this, that your God he is calling your name. And he's saying, you can do this. Keep going. Keep running. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. You focus on his voice. You focus on the one that loves you the most. And no matter what obstacles may come, you can overcome it. It doesn't matter how many times you may fall. You can always get back up. Just don't give up. Turn to the person next to you and let them know one more time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Case in point, one of the stories that we're going to be looking at today is in 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. Now, now here's the deal. Uh, this story is about a prophet named Elisha. Now, there is Elijah and there is Elisha. I don't know why they did that in the Bible. It confuses me all the time, but this is the way the Lord wants it, so that's how we're going to do it. So, you guys have to understand that back in the day, Elijah, he was this prophet that everybody thought was just the greatest. As a matter of fact, Elijah has one of the coolest stories in the Bible. Because a lot of times when people like start off and their story gets told, it's like this guy came from this person and they were awesome. But for Elijah, it just there is no backstory. He just shows up on the scene and he's just like, hey, 
It ain't going to rain up in this place until I say so because I'm a servant of the Lord. And everybody's like, for real? Who is this guy? What's going on? And it doesn't rain in that place. And then all of a sudden, the king is like, all right, we got to finish this. And Elijah, he's just like, all right, we're going to have, you got your God and his name is Baal. Well, I got my God and he is the Lord and my God is better. And they're like, I don't think so. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a God off. I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of a God off, but a God off, what they did, they're like, all right. We've got this sacrifice, right? And whichever God comes down to take this sacrifice, that's the God that we're going to worship. Everybody's like, yeah, we could do that. And so all these prophets of this God named Baal, they all got together, and they start, like, uh, like worshiping, and they're, like, jumping up and down, and they're singing and whatnot, and they're waiting for their God to come down and take this offering. But Elijah's sitting there on the side and like, man, they look so stupid. Look at them. Mm-hmm. No, you need to clean up yourself. You look dirty. And so... All of a sudden, Elijah's just like, okay, we need to end this. And so he comes over, and he goes, Lord, you need to show them what's up. Once again, this is the ghetto version of the Bible. And all of a sudden, this big ball of fire comes down, and it soaks up all the offering, soaks up all the wood. They even sprinkled water over this thing, soaks up all the water, and whoosh, it's gone. Everybody's like, oh, snap, he does worship the Lord. Now, even with that story, I could preach on that story all day because it's crazy. They poured water on a sacrifice where there was no drain. There was a drought going on. People were dying. Their livestock were dying because they didn't have any water. And so before the Lord came down and took the sacrifice, they poured water on it, their last remaining water. What does this say to us? This says this, that anytime you want God to do something in your life, don't just give him part. You got to give him everything you got. You can't have a plan B because if you have a plan B, plan A never works. So, but that's, that's a whole nother sermon. So, Elijah, he does these awesome, awesome things. And everybody's just like, boom, this is the guy. And so as Elijah's going on, he knows that he needs to pass the torch on. And so instead of going to like the school of prophets where other people are learning how to be like him, he starts walking in the field and he notices one guy that's just at his plow and he's plowing away. And Elijah's like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. And he comes over to him and he goes, and he doesn't even say anything. He takes off his big furry coat and he throws it on him because if you're going to be a prophet of the Lord, you got to have a furry coat. And so he throws his furry coat on him. He's like, boom, you're the next one. And that guy just happened to be Elisha. And Elisha's like, for real? And so Elisha, he burns his plow and he's like, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be a prophet of the Lord. And so he begins to follow Elijah around as he is a prophet of the Lord. And then one day it came. Elisha knew his time had come to an end. So he turns to Elisha, and he goes, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha's like, I want a double portion of what you got. And he's like, for real? He's like, for reals. And he's like, all right. And so, of course, if you look at Bible history, he actually, like Elijah does, a certain number of miracles. And Elisha actually does a double amount of the miracles. And so all of a sudden, Elijah's like, all right, the time has come. And then the Lord, this is the awesome part about it. God loves Elijah so much, he's like, all right, man, you my boy. You know what? You just need to get yourself up here. Come on down. And so, of course, he sends, like, chariots of fire to come to pick up Elijah. And he's like, that's my ride. He gets on, and boom, he goes up to heaven. This dude does not die. This dude does not get sick. Nobody kills him. God's just like, no, I need you up here. You're my boy. And he sends, like, God's taxi service to come and pick him up. That's crazy. 
crazy. And so Elisha's sitting there. He's like, for real? All right. And so he picks up his staff and everything. And then now Elisha begins his journey. That was a lot of backstory. But there is a reason why I told you the backstory to this story. And it's because of this. See, Elisha, he does. He does a lot of things. And he is a prophet of the Lord. And he does a double portion of what Elijah does. But now Elisha is coming to the end of his life. He knows he's going to die. As a matter of fact, he gets sick. He's on his deathbed in this story. Now, one of the first things that you can notice is this. This is why it's important that you can't compare yourself to somebody else. Because, see, Elisha does a double amount of miracles, but yet he gets sick, and he knows he's going to die. Elijah, God was just like, you're my boy. Let's go. Sins up on the heaven. That's not fair, right? But you got to remember, God does different things with different people. And just because he does one thing for somebody else, it does not mean it's going to happen for you. It's all different. God loves us differently in different ways, and he wants to use us in different ways. So, Elisha, he's on his deathbed. He's had a good life. He has served the Lord faithfully. But then all of a sudden, a king comes in. And this is what happened. 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. It starts off with this. When Elisha was in his last illness, the king of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. And Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. And Elisha told him, Put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hand. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. And Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over the army. For you will completely conquer the army. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and he struck the ground three times but then the man of God was angry with him you should have struck the ground five or six times he exclaimed then you would have beaten the army until it was entirely destroyed now you will only be victorious three times okay now here's the deal with the story I'm gonna break this down so every single person in this room can understand what just happened because here's the deal Elisha he's on his deathbed the king comes in he's like Elisha man I know you're about to die but we need some help we're in trouble help us out that's jacked up right this guy has served the Lord and he still has work to do even though he's about to die so Elisha he's like all right all right here's the deal this is what you need to do and so he begins to instruct him now I believe that this story shows us when we're about to give up ourselves. The king is about to give up, and it shows us how when we're about to give up in our life. And here's what happens. Number one, the king assumes the worst about his situation. See, you guys have to know that this king, when he came in, he's noticing that the other armies, they're gathering all around. They're bigger, and they're better than our army. And he goes, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers. I don't know what to do. He's scared. He knows I can't beat them. But the funny thing about the lines that this, this king uses, 
These are the same lines that Elisha used when he saw Elijah go up into heaven. He said, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, but they had a different effect because for Elijah, he saw that God loved them. And he saw all of a sudden all these angels come down and the chariots of fire come down to pick him up. And for Elisha, he saw that and he said, wow, this is the real reason why we have been winning our battle. It's not because of anything that we have. It's because all of what God has. He has chariots of fire here to protect us. But for this king, he doesn't see the spiritual. He sees the physical. Look all around. They're bigger. They're better than us. I don't know what to do. What does this say to us? This says this. I'm here to tell you guys right now, it does not matter what is going on in your life. It does not matter what kind of physical things may be happening. For some of you, you're dealing with a sickness right now, and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. The doctors say there's no hope. For some of you, you're struggling with depression right now, and you're saying, I got to take these pills. I don't know what's going on. For some of you, it might be a financial crisis going on. You're like, I don't know if we're going to have the money to pay this bill. We might be kicked out of our house, but the thing about it is this. Do not look at the physical. Always know that there is something going on in the spiritual that you may not see with your own eyes, but God is working things out for the good for those that love him. Don't give up. Just because you see something happening doesn't mean that God is not working. Does not mean that God is not doing something for you. We get like that. When we're about to give up, you think your situation is the worst, right? How many of you guys have been like, yep, this is the worst. I can't get any worse than this. I don't know what to do. That's a sign that you are about to give up because you're like, it can't get any worse. I, I might as well just throw up my hands because this is the worst it's going to get. Remember, God loves you. And this following after Christ, this is not a quick race. This is not the 100 meter dash. This is a marathon. You got to pace yourself out, but throughout the race, don't give up. The second way that this king shows us that we're about to give up is he ignores the truth about his situation and he makes himself the victim. All right, case in point this king has done nothing he is supposed to do in order to honor God. He has done nothing. He is, matter of fact, he has wasted away. He hasn't done any of the sacrifices he's supposed to sacrifice to God. But then all of a sudden, when he's in trouble, he's like, I, I need the Lord's help. What's going to happen? Okay, how many times have we done that? We have done bad things, and we have not maybe gone to church in a while. Maybe for some of us, we know what we did on Friday. We know what we did on Saturday. We know what kind of people we're hanging out with. We know the drugs that we are experimenting with. We know the people that we've crossed lines with sexually. We do all these things, and then all of a sudden, we're like, uh, God, if you're there, I really need your help. And here's the thing about it. This is why I love this story. See, when he comes to Elisha, and Elisha knows he hasn't done anything he's supposed to do, Elisha still says, God is for you, and he wants you to win. What does this say about you? I'm here to tell you today that I know some of you are going to struggle with the sins that you are struggling with now. I know it's going to happen because it's happened in my own life. But just because you are struggling with something, that does not mean you stay away from God. You keep coming back because he wants you to win. 
God is for you. But if you continue to try to do it on your own, it's not going to work. Nobody is their own salvation. It can't happen. There's a reason why Jesus came to die on the cross for each and every one of us and each and every one of our sins. He did not come to die on the cross for the big sins. He didn't come to die on the cross for uh, some other sins. He came to die on the cross for every single sin. The minute that something happens and you know you have done wrong, come back. No matter what happens, no matter how bad you feel, and remember, we talked about shame. Do not let shame set in and keep you away. You come back. Because if you sit there and say, okay, maybe I just need to do a couple of devotions. I'll pray uh, for five days, and maybe I'll get back to church. Maybe I'll go back to my youth group so they don't know the bad things I've done. Nope. You go right away. You do what you do because God wants to make sure you don't give up. And when we get entangled in sin and we let it entangle us, it will make us give up. You'll be like, this church stuff doesn't work. I, I prayed to God that one time and now it's not working. No, it's because you got to keep coming back. And the last thing that the king shows us how we give up is he becomes overly skeptical about what he's asked to do. See, check this out. So the king, he's like, I need some help. I don't know what to do. Elisha's like, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the arrows in your hand. And Elisha literally says, these arrows represent the victory in your life. You need to pound the ground for how many victories you need. And this king is like, arrows represent victory in my life. Pound the ground for how many victories I need. Okay. One, two, three. There. Are we going to win now? And this is why Elisha gets so upset with him. He's like, I literally just told you that if you pound the ground for how many victories you need, you're going to win that many victories. But we see that since he only pounds the ground three times, even if you read, continue the story, they only win three more times. Then after that, the army comes back and they capture them. This is what I'm here to tell you guys. So many times in our lives, we get caught up and we get into our church bubble, and it's like, you know what? Just pray about it. Everything's going to be okay. Just pray. And we're like, oh, yeah, I should pray about it. Dear Lord, help me out in this situation. I don't know what to do. All right. But God is literally saying, I am giving you the keys to win. I am giving you the keys to continue on with what you have. All you have to do is come to me. And we think prayer, prayer, I, I, I know this might be going against the grain. It is not some super spiritual thing you do. Prayer is actually you just talking to your daddy in heaven and saying, Dad, I need your help. Dad, I'm in trouble. Come and help me, please. You don't have to think that you're some super spiritual person. You're just talking to your father, the father that loves you, the father that wants to break chains in your life. And all you got to do is just keep talking to him. And he's like, yeah, I want to do this for you. But we just use it as a last resort. All right, maybe prayer will work this time. These are the keys of victory. And if you want to win, no matter what battle, no matter what obstacle may come in your race, that you got to pound the ground with your knees. you got to get on your knees and say, God, I need you. God, help me out in this situation. And it doesn't matter how many times you got to keep coming back on your knees and asking God for help. I'm telling you right now, he's going to give you the victory you need. Just pound the ground. Let him know. I'm here, Lord. Here's the situation. Help me. See, it's like this. Uh, Winston Churchill once said that um, 
Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. What does that mean? It means this, that when you are running a race and you're running this race called life, you're going to have to fight. Life is fighting. And if you're going to fight, you better learn how to win. That's it. So here are a couple ways that you can win the victory in your life. This is how you win battles in your life. Number one, you have to surround yourself with other believers. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Surround yourself with people who are going to cheer you up. Surround yourself with people that believe like you. Because if you surround yourself with people that are kind of on the fringe, people that are like, nah, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. That doesn't work for me. All of a sudden, it's going to start to seep into you. And you're going to be like, yeah, maybe this doesn't work. But no, you need to surround yourself with the people of God that will constantly encourage you. Come on. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Keep going on. Case in point, I will never forget it. It was about Six months ago, near the beginning of the school year, I'm at this school, and I'm going, and I'm doing my thing, and like I told you guys, near the end of the assembly, I'll start to talk about the importance of a dad hug, and as soon as I say that, there's a girl, and I'll never forget it, she's sitting front row, she starts bawling. I don't know what's going on. Nobody's talking to her. Nobody's putting an arm around her. And so I'm like going, and I'm trying to continue this assembly. This is a public school, so I'm just going. But every single time I walk past this girl, I just feel like God saying, no, you need to stop. No, you need to go talk to this girl. I'm like, God, I can't stop in the middle of assembly to go talk to one girl. God's like, Terrence, you got to do this. I don't know if you guys have ever argued with God, but you ain't going to win. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the assembly, I just stop. I go to the girl. I put the mic in my pocket, and I go, hey, I don't know what's going on right now, but I want to let you know that your love, I don't know what's happening, but I want to tell you that as a father, I love you like a father, and if you don't mind, right now, I just want to give you a dad hug so that you will know that you're loved. Do you mind if I give you that hug? And I'll never forget that girl with tears in her eyes. She goes, <laughs> and so she got up, and I gave her a hug, and she sat there, and she squeezed me, and I'm trying to continue on, and she's still, she's grabbing a hold of me. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is good. And I hug her. She sits back down. I continue on with the assembly. And as soon as I get done with the assembly, I'm standing over to the side. People are coming up to me, high-fiving me. This girl books it right to me and throws her arms around me and just grabs on. I'm like, hey, girl, we already did this, but okay, I can give you another hug. This is okay. This is okay. And she goes, you have no idea what you just did. I go, I don't understand what's going on. She goes, you don't know my name, do you? And I was like, I don't know your name. She goes, you have no idea what's going on in my family, do you? And I was like, I have no idea what's going on in your family. And she goes, I see you. My, my dad, he's been abusive to my mom for the past two years. And I constantly feel like my dad doesn't love me. He's always leaving and he's always going and he, he's spending time with other people and I think he's cheating on my mom. And my friend, 
she got saved earlier in the year, and she constantly comes to me, and she tells me, hey, you need to go to church. I think God really wants to help you. And she goes, I have ignored God every single time, every single day. I don't want to go to church. I don't think God can do anything for me. And she goes, this morning when I woke up, I saw my dad for the last time. He packed up his bags and says, I'm done. I'll give you a call in two weeks, and I'll let you know where I'm staying. And he walked out the house. She goes, I sat on my bed, and I said, God, if you are real today, you will show me that I'm still loved. You will show me that I still have a father that loves me. And she goes, you picked me out of the crowd, and you told me that I was loved. She goes, right there on that spot after you hugged me, she goes, I don't know you, but I just gave my life to Jesus Christ because he spoke through you to me. Thank you. You have to surround yourself with people who are constantly going to encourage you and let you know the truth about what God wants to do in your life. The second thing you need to do in order to win this thing called life is you got to know that anything you do for God is not a waste. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I know sometimes it may be hard to steadily do devotions every single day. I know sometimes it may be hard to sit there and pray. I know for me, if I'm being honest with you guys, for me to sit down and pray, some people are like, yeah, I pray for 40 hours a day. I'm like, first of all, how do you do that? There is not even 40 hours in a day. And for me, I'm telling you right now, if I pray for more than an hour, I'll probably slept for about 15 or 20 minutes of that. I'm just being real for you. It is hard for me. But I will sit down and I will give the time that is needed. And every single time that I have some time, I'm like, all right, God, I know I got five minutes, but let's use this five minutes. Whatever you give to God, it is not a waste. Five minutes is better than no minutes. And whatever happens, if you remember that day, oh, I should do a devotion. Do it right then and there. Even if you are at school, even if you are at work, we live in a day and age with a smartphone. You can pull up a devotion super easily. Whatever you have, Give it to God, and he will do something with it. Uh, and since we got to finish, I'm going to skip that story. I had a whole other story to tell you guys, but we're going to skip that. We got to get done. We got to get done. And last but not least, if you want to win this race called life, if you want to win as you continue on towards Christ, you've got to remember this one last thing, and is this. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you, separate from your struggles. You are not what you struggle with. That is not what you are. Case in point, uh, like I told you guys, my daughter, uh, Gracie, five years old. And Gracie, this year, is going into kindergarten. And so in preschool, they tell you, hey, there are a couple things you need to learn in order to be ready for kindergarten. So one of those things that she had to learn was how to spell her name. And so this whole year, we've been working on it. It's like, all right, Gracie, this is how you spell your name. G-R-A-C-I-E. Gracie. She's like, okay, I got it. The day came where she's going to take her test. I was like, all right, Gracie, how do you spell your name? And she's like, uh, G-R-3-1-Z-E. 
E? I'm like, okay, girl, hold up. Uh, first of all, you threw some numbers in there. I don't know where that happens. There's a difference between letters and numbers. I don't know what just happened. My little girl, she struggles with spelling her name. Now, if you're going to ask me, how do I describe Gracie? First things I would tell you is she is hilarious. She's got a great smile. She makes me laugh all the time. She is so cute. But the thing about it is this. The last thing I'm going to tell you about Gracie is that she is a bad speller. That's not what I think of when I think of Gracie. The thing about it is this. God looks at you the same exact way. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, I struggle with pornography and that's what I am. God doesn't look at you as the person that struggles with pornography. He looks at you as a daughter. He looks at you as a son. And he goes, we're going to get through this. We're going to work on this. But you're still mine. I still love you. You can't see yourself as your struggles because you are not your struggles. You are a child of God. Nothing stops that. Last story I'm going to tell you guys in the worship band, you guys can come back up, um, was it was at another assembly, and it was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'll never forget it. I come down, talk about dad hugs, and at the end of the assembly, I just invite students, and I go, hey, I know there are some of you sitting here that have never gotten a dad hug. You've never gotten a mom hug. You've never gotten a friend hug. If you need a hug, you come down right now and you get a hug from me because I give some of the best dad hugs ever. And so sure enough, all these students started to come down and they're lining up and they're crying and I'm giving each and every one of them a hug. But out of the corner of my eye, I see this one student and he is pacing back and forth back and forth, and I'll never forget it. He was, uh, he was wearing all black that day, and he had his hood up, so I couldn't see his face. And so as I am sitting there, and I am hugging each and every student, I've got like one eye on this guy, because I'm like, shoot, if he comes over to me, I'm going to cut him. And so, not really, not really. So I hug the very last student in line, and this dude beelines it straight towards me. And as he's running up to me, I take a look at his shoes. He's got satanic symbols written on his shoes. And so as he's running up to me, I start to puff myself up because I'm like, shoot, I'm big for my age. Let's do this. And then next thing I know, he stops right in front of my face and he goes, you, you made me feel feelings today. And at first I wanted to laugh too because I was like, that's a really weird thing to say to my brother. Why would you say that to me? But in that moment, I did not say that. In that moment, all I said was, okay. And next thing I know, he throws his arms around me, and he gives me one of the biggest hugs I have ever received in my life. And as he is sitting there, and he is squeezing me, I just whisper to him, hey, man, if there's any reason why I came to your school today, it was for you. Next thing I know, he throws his arms up in the air, and he runs out the gym. And as soon as he ran out the gym, I was just like, uh, okay, we got to wrap this up. I don't know if this guy's coming back. We got to go. We got to go. So we go to lunch, and we're getting ready to go to the next school. And all of a sudden, we get a phone call from the principal. And the principal goes, hey, before you go to your next school, you have to know what just happened. He goes, see, after you gave all the students a dad hug, they all went back to their classroom. But he goes, there is one student in particular where nobody talks to him 
and he doesn't talk to anybody. He went back to his classroom, but he sat in the back so nobody would talk to him. But then there was one of the students in the class, and they began to talk about how cool it was. He gave them all a dad hug. And he goes, there is one girl in the class, and she turned towards that kid, and she goes, hey, did you get a dad hug from Terrence? And he goes, this kid stood up in the back of his classroom and said, I've never received a dad hug in my life. That was the first time. Then all of a sudden, all the other students in the class began to give this dude a hug to let him know that today was a different day. And as soon as the last person in the class gave him a hug, he ran out of the classroom. And the principal goes, he ran to my office, walked up to my desk, and put a gun down on the table and said, today was the day I was going to take my own life until I knew somebody cared about me. Here's the thing. This life, it's hard. Even in the Bible, it says you're going to have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I am with you. Your Father in heaven, he's cheering you on, and all you have to do is go. I can give a great sermon. I can tell you guys, hey, this is what you need to do. But at the end of the day, if you get one thing out of this sermon, one thing only, it's this. No matter what happens, come back to God. Always talk to him. Always be connected to him. Because in this world, there are going to be people that are going to try to put things in your head. There are going to be people that say, hey, you don't look pretty enough. That's okay. Your God thinks you're beautiful. They're going to say, hey, you're too stupid to understand. That's okay because your God is going to help you understand. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. All that matters is, is that you focus on your God. And it even says in the Bible, you got to renew your mind by reading his word. It doesn't say that because he wants you to be spiritual. He's saying that because he knows people are saying words that don't make sense. People are talking words to you that are not true. And he says, you've got to be renewed because I'm constantly telling you, I love you. Don't give up. I'm for you. I'm for you. So here's the deal. I want everybody to stand up, stand up, stand up. In this moment right now, in a moment, the worship band, they're going to start playing. But we're going to start practicing this right now. For some of you, maybe you know that you got to get better with uh, praying. you got to get better with your devotions. So during this time, I just want you to come up, and I want you to ask God, help me. and Help me with my prayer life. Help me with my devotional life. I need you in this, God. Help me to draw closer for, to you. There are some of you right now that when I talked about uh, having some of those words go around in your head, some of you are dealing with depression. Some of you are dealing with the way that you look. You don't like the way that you look. So I want you guys, if that's you, I want you to come up here and say, Lord, I need you to show me the truth. I need you to tell, speak life into me. Yeah, you might be have to take something to help you, but that's okay. God is still for you, and God is still working. So no matter what it is, there may be other issues in this room. For some of you, you've got a lot of stuff to deal with when you get back home. You need to come to God. This is the time, and it doesn't matter if the music's playing or not. Your God always wants to talk to you. There is no set time and place for God to interact with you. So let's start today. 
If that's you, if you know you need something from God, you come up right now and you begin to worship him and you begin to call him and say, Lord, I need you. They're going to play. And I just want you guys, just worship him. Ask him for the things you need. Call out to him. Surrender yourself to him. There are going to be people that are going to be praying for you. That's okay. Take their prayers. But right now, this is between you and God. What do you need God for do to you? And I promise you, he hears you. <laughs>